authentic, kind-hearted, godly, generous couples I know. And I don't just say those words lightly. They are amazing. So I want you to give them a big hand as they come up this morning. Welcome to the living room. This is good. Take your... Who feels like they need a coffee or something? Yeah. It's good. Welcome, guys. Hi, everyone. This is Donna and Ivan, and um, before I, uh, we get into these questions, I wanted um, to firstly say welcome. Good to have you in the living Thank room, you. the Thrive living room. Um, tell us a bit about your family. I know there's some photos going to go up on the screen in a minute of your family, but just introduce your family and a little bit about yourselves to Thrive. Okay, so we're coming up. Uh, obviously, Ivan and I, we have two girls, and they both got married in 2016. That was a big year for us in many, many ways. And you can see up there, there we are. You'll see over on the side. Uh, so now I have two boys as well as two girls. So that's Micah and Ben at the back. We have some dogs as well. Uh, since that photo was taken, we have added another dog and a baby. So uh, I think our little granddaughter is about to come up. That's our daughter, Brooke, and our little um, granddaughter, Sigrid. Uh, so that's been an amazing, wonderful um, time for us. There she is. I had to show you that one because look at those socks. Those long socks are so cute. Um, yeah, and it's just been, been wonderful. So that's us. We're a pretty normal, average family. <laughs> two girls, Ivan. I can relate to that. What's it been like of being a dad of two girls growing up now? Well, in a family of three girls, <laughs> I tell you, it was a challenge. And that's, uh, <laughs> but, hey, I, I felt like a king. And that's so I did. My wife looked after me. My girls still look after me. And you know what? You know, I prayed that I would have two girls, probably because, anyway, I don't want to start into it. Maybe I didn't have the best uh, relationship with my dad. And so for some reason, you know, I said, I want to have girls when I grow up. And I did. God blessed me with two girls. And I'll tell you, they are really special. And that's so. And we still do coffee with them every Friday morning. And that's so. I love that. So, so good. And that dog is a boss. That bulldog. Yes, he's outlived the lifespan for a bull, uh, straight Aussie bulldog. It's about eight years, and he's ten years old. Can you just speak to I my don't wife live with on us the benefits dogs, of having so. a dog? <laughs> just speak to my wife on the benefits of owning We're a dog. We're probably the worst people to speak to, Brad, because they're our daughter's dogs. And um, during a hard time at home, somehow Ivan got talked into the bulldog. And uh, it helped us through a very tough season, but it nearly destroyed our house. So uh, <laughs> Don't tell her that. <laughs> We right, love well, him now from a distance. Oh, he's a, he's a legend of a dog. All right, let's get into some questions. Um, if you're visiting for the, us for the first time today, we are at part two of our What the Health series. And uh, as a church this year, our vision is um, towards greater health, all things healthy. We just want to be healthy in all levels of our lives. And just as a quick introduction, last week I spoke on 
the cross and the cross being the basis of all healing and health for life and that salvation is not just um, the vertical. It doesn't just heal our relationship between us and God. It's also the horizontal beam which heals our relationships with each other. And so as a church, we want to do relationships well. Um, we won't do them perfectly because we're flawed and we're failed human beings. We do our best, but we do want to do relationship well. Hence why this morning I have you guys here and uh, two people I know who do relationships outstanding. So I want to ask you guys this first question, firstly. And I know this topic is something you're very passionate about because I've heard you preach on this. But I want you to speak to why, why is being in community um, God's plan from the beginning, and why is it so important to be connected in a body if you want to thrive and flourish? Why, why is community so central to God's plan? Okay, I'll kick that off, and then I'll give you the bloke's answer, and Donna will clean it up. Okay. <laughs> I just want to say before we kick off, you know what? We're an ordinary couple. We're just like you guys. Okay, we're always learning, and that, but you know, we're. That's the key for us. We're always learning, and that's so, you know, don't look at us as a, at a different level, okay? Like anything we say is from the Holy Spirit. So, that's so um, all right, community. And thanks for your Israel trip, guys. Yeah. Our church absolutely loved it. The guys that were on the Israel trip, our church and your church, and our church still rave about it, okay? Now I'm wasting time. All right, community. Okay, so community is very important. As you know, you know, community is God. Community is where we grow. It's where we laugh. It's where we cry. It's where we, we sing, we, um, we fight, we play, we pray. It's where we encourage. It's where we celebrate. Like, how can you do all that on your own? Yeah. You can't. And that's community. And, um, you know, community is God's plan. I love that. Yeah, it's his plan. The, the ecclesia is God's church, okay? It's a gathering of people. We're the bride of Christ, okay? It's what he's coming back for. And at the moment, as we do community, we're in preparation for that awesome day. Yeah, that's great. Um, Yeah, I think in the at the core of every human being is a desire for authentic, life-giving connections. And that's an we've been imprinted with that. Um, by God himself, when we're made in his image, that imprinting is there for that deep desire for connection because it's a reflection of who he is. Let's face God is relationship. He's existed eternally as a community and not as an even number, as an odd number. I love that. Anyway, back to that later. Um, But... So I think that deep desire for all of us is, is that imprinting. In the world, the, the whole world has that imprinting. And because God isn't just a one, his oneness. So then when it, then I think fast forward, I could dwell there, but let's go fast forward. What Jesus' old prayer before he went to the cross was, Father, that they may be one, right. you know, that... And then not just for the disciples, not just for them, but then for all who believe in my name, that they may be one. And so that's important to God. (laughs) So I believe it should be important to us to discover the power of that oneness, that uniqueness, that together thing we have on our own. I don't know if we do a real good job at reflecting all the wonderful nature of God, but together we do a bit 
of a better job. And then when you think of future, which Ivan just thought, mentioned then, what's going to transfer from this realm to the next? What's the only thing, actually, that's going to go from this realm to the new heaven? It's the bride of Christ. It's the new community. So is it important? Absolutely. We've got to sow into it. We've got to believe in it. We've got to, you know, um, protect it, shape it. Um, yeah, be open to it. Very good. I love hearing you talk, Donna, and uh, that's such a good revelation of the, the Trinity. Let's just keep exploring that because um, one of the things I often hear in community, particularly church community, if we can speak church community, because I'm convinced that local church done well is the answer to society's loneliness problem, if we do it well. Uh, but I hear often this phrase, I couldn't connect. I never felt like I belonged in local church. So just speak to anybody this morning who finds it hard to belong or feel like they struggle to connect in. What would you say there's some keys to finding belonging and connection in a local church? Sure. So I believe um, connecting and belonging. Connection and belonging is a spirit, okay? You know, I say, that's what I truly believe it is. It's, okay, what do I have that can help you? What do you, what do you see in me that you need? What can I learn from you? See, learning is accepting. It's not taking, okay? But if you have a spirit of, okay, what can you do for me? You'll always have a struggle. And that's, uh, um, so, you know, I, I'm quite big, and like I told you earlier, we're always learning. We've never got it together, and we're always open to learning. We're always soft, okay? So it is, you know, I truly believe it is a spirit, belonging and connecting um, I, I agree. Well, in talking about what God is doing on the earth, creating this new community, and the power that Jesus said that would come from the unified nature of that, then you can see why there's resistance around belonging. Because right. belonging is the key to unity. Right. That sense of belonging is the key to right. unity. That feeling of home, you know, um, the comfortable shoes, the, you know, that's the feeling of home and that's what we're creating in our little redemptive communities all over the world. And, of course, there's going to be resistance to belonging because the enemy can't have intimacy. Right. <laughs> you can't have intimacy when you have pride or you have levels in yeah. life. And so he's out to destroy what he... Jesus spoke about the power of the unified church. And so I think there's always going to be resistance around that um, element of belonging. As someone who's worked in church and, and with new people and in pastoral care for a very long time, I can tell you it's the biggest lie of the enemy. And people walk in the door with it already sewn into their life. Wow. You don't belong. Um, so... Um, you can see then, if you've already believed that lie, and that could have been sown into your life as a child, in a situation in your family or at school. School can be brutal uh, for this sort of thing, and that lie can go in, and if you choose to believe that, no matter where you go or whatever, you will always work to, to perpetuate that lie. So it's about dealing with that. You know, think through the scripture. When Jesus says, you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it, you've got to get that into your spirit right. and that's what you've got to walk through the door with. 
I am the body of Christ and I am a part of this. It doesn't mean all, you know, everything will begin to work for you, but it will mean you will approach people with a different spirit or aura around you. You won't be walking up to a, seeing a group of people in a conversation and think, oh, yeah, see, everyone else knows the, each other and I'm, a, and you'll, you'll isolate yourself. No, you'll go up and you'll say, I wonder, I'll say hi to them. Or you might see a spare seat now. Oh, I haven't sat next to that person before. I might go and sit next to them and have a conversation. You'll just break down all those things that that lie has come in. So I would say this is the biggest lie the enemy uses. And it's effective because we all want to belong, you know, at some point. And so it won't mean it will be easy, but it will mean that you'll begin to start from a different place um, to build, yeah, belonging. Good was that? Yeah. Okay, let the band come up. Let's just pray on that. Um, outstanding, Don. Let's just track a little bit and get a little bit deeper on that because uh, let's be honest, no church is perfect. The, the church is imperfect because you are imperfect people. And I often say the moment you join the local church, the church ceases to be perfect. Amen. Uh, but we can be healthy um, so just speak to anybody, I know this can be a sensitive topic this morning, but I just want you to speak to anybody this morning who has had an experience, say, in local church community that was less than positive, there was some church hurt, um, or they had an experience that was less than positive, because it happens, let's be honest. Um, but, and so, so not falling under that lie of, oh, I'm going to isolate and never, never go into church again, or never go into community again, so I'd ever get hurt again, because that's not the answer either. What is the key to healing from that and trusting again? Okay. Anyway, the Holy Spirit just reminded me of something. We're driving down here and we're watching all these people and they push bikes. You know, we went past the beach and everyone's gathering around the beach and uh, people are walking together in groups. And, you know, it's a, to me it was like the enemy was saying, see what you're missing out on, see what you could be doing and that. But you know what? We looked at each other and we said, what would we ever do any different? We just love what we do. We just love church. We love gathering in church. You know, I've been in church all my life. As I've said before, I've grown up in an unchurched family, but I, something when I went to church, there was something that drew me there. I know who it was. It was the Holy Spirit. And that's so uh, wherever you go, wherever there are people involved, it can be a sporting club, you know, it can be a golf club, it can be any bowling club, wherever church, there'll always be hurt, wherever there is people. They'll always be hurt. It's just, you know, you've heard the saying, if you find the perfect church, don't go to it or you'll destroy it. But that's, uh, well, it's quite true. It's just what people do. And we don't even mean to. You know, the biggest church out there, I say, is the church that's people that aren't even meeting together. Okay, they're offended people. Right. That's, uh, and um, if I said today, you know, who came here because they left a church because of hurt? you know, I'll be the first to put my hand up. I'm not asking you to put your hand up. That's a, you know, I, I joined my church more than 20 years ago because, not that I didn't like the people, but I didn't like something that went on and uh, it was church hurt, okay? Um, I always say to people when they come to our church, take your time, find God again, again, afresh, okay? Press the restart button because... You know, in John 3 and 34, it says we have the spirit without limit. There is so much in us that God wants us to know and teach us and learn. And you will learn it if you soften your heart, 
You come in and you sit with the Lord where the Holy Spirit hovers and you will learn. You will pick up stuff through people that you've never picked up before. You will learn more about yourself through people which are full of the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's how you learn about yourself. And uh, it is, it's find God afresh would be the biggest key, I would say. Um, I want to speak directly to anyone. (laughs) I'm getting a little bit emotional. Um, To anybody who's had church hurt um, and has associated that church hurt somehow has affected their relationship with God and, and people, I want to say sorry. As someone who's in church leadership and and is a pastor who holds my um, minister's credential, I I apologise. Ivan said we're we're human beings (laughs) and um, we're flawed humans, really, just trying to do the best we can. And along the way, we may hurt people, but we never want to, um, you know, we're really sorry about that. We want to minimise that. Um, and, and so I guess for you coming through that, I want to say you're here today. You're here because under, underneath that hurt, you know, you believe in the church. You know, you're here, you love God and you believe in the church. And so, like Ivan said, Jesus is our fresh start. He gives us new mercies every morning and maybe it's time for you to have a fresh start and, and give people a fresh start. The, the very grace God offers us, you know, we offer to others. Give them a fresh start, you know, forgive and go around again. Um, and, you know, may I hope that apology helps some of you, you know, maybe even to be able to um, lift that up because I know the reason why you're here is you believe in the church and, I, you know, and the church needs you need you to function in um, there's people who need you they're lonely and they need a friend too and um, so I hope um, yeah that that helps someone Um, yeah I've got here um, a season of not fitting in is actually really good for you hear me out (laughs) when we did our church transfer we only ever really been in two churches in our lives and we were unable to continue in the other church we came to Macquarie we didn't know anybody and uh, I got a little bit insecure at first because I'm a sanguine and I'd grown up knowing every single person you know and I remember this one night now Mark has never done this since it was a night service he got all the young people to stand up and go and give a word to all the people in the church and pray for them well, we'd been in the church a little while and I've been connected with so many of those guys and I was still a little bit stunned, like a stunned mullet. And uh, no one came and prayed for me and I was just standing there feeling extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> and, you know, I went home with that same uncomfortable feeling and we weren't too far from the church and, and my husband says, I hope you're not feeling sorry for yourself. <laughs> and he said, you need to start connecting with people. You need to start initiating conversations, you know. And um, so the reason why it was good for me is because I'm passionate now. I know what it feels like. So never move out of your, that, 
that awkward fear, um, season and then get comfortable. Always, you've always got eyes then. You know, once you've been through something, you, you understand that at a level. So this is a good season for you. Sorry to say that, but it's good because you'll know now, you'll have eyes, you'll have antennas for it on how to help other people um, have that, um, yeah, that sense of belonging. Very good, isn't it? It's good hearing their story. Very good. Um, all right, let's move a little bit from church community to relationships in general um, because we know that relationships go beyond here and we want to do it well no matter where we are, life, work. Um, so we know the goal of every relationship is to connect. And although every relationship doesn't look the same as every relationship, um, every, we want every relational connection to be healthy, right, no matter what, what it looks like. Could you speak to what are the enemies or the blockages of healthy connection with each other? Because you know you have relationship and you just can't quite go to that next level. What are some of the enemies to that authentic, healthy, or blockages even might be a better word, to healthy connection? You, Ive. I'm going to let Donna answer this, but the only thing I would say is I always start with self, okay? I always uh, challenge myself, ask myself, ask the Lord, Am I in a good place, Lord? Okay, am I seeing with your eyes? Okay, am I hearing with your ears? And that's how it always starts with me. And then I work outwards. So many things. <laughs> brokenness. You know, we bump into each other's brokenness. The world's, you know, it's very rare for someone to arrive into their adulthood and not have to go through stuff. You know, even if you've grown up in what people would say is a perfect family, don't know that that actually exists, you'll still have experiences that, you know, shape who you are and, and leave some rough edges and some sharp edges. And then you run into someone else and they've got a few. And that's church life pretty much. Uh, so we're all broken. And so I would say brokenness right. is a big one. You know, I'm going to go into my brokenness a little bit later. Uh, but I would say selfishness. Um, <laughs> Low self-esteem affects relationships because if you lack confidence, then you'll either do two things. You'll either um, withdraw from people because you won't feel good enough to be their friend or you'll overdo it. You know, you'll overcompensate. Um, you, you'll want more from them because you're wanting them to fill, fill a gap, you know, that's already there. Um, the goal is to hold people, you know, having a connection, but... Let's face it, we, we live in a broken world and we're all on a journey of, of, of getting healthy, aren't we, in our relationships. So that goes on for the rest of your life, adjusting, readjusting. And um, Jesus paid a unfathomable price to give us room <laughs> to make our way. We don't have to get it right perfect. We can go on a journey. And uh, he wants us to discover discover that. So there's so many things. You know, Paul says to the Corinthians this amazing thing. He says, make room in your heart for us. <laughs> you know, make room for us in your heart. He said, we've, um, you know, given our affection to you, but you've withheld your affection from us. So this is something that's not new. This is you know, this goes on. And I've always been challenged by that. Lord, do I have room in my heart for people? <laughs> For new friends, every season of your life, seasons bring new people into your world. Right. Whether it's school life or, um, you know, the kids are going to swimming. There's another whole world there. Or, the, um, you know, 
with youth or whatever the season is, work life, you get a new job, you know, and so I think here, make room in your heart. Uh, sometimes you need a big, big clean out to do that. You need to deal with some of your brokenness, your low self-esteem, you know, because that brings comparison, jealousy, all the things that we're always having to ne- negotiate in our life these days. And so, you know, learning to do that with God, relaxing a little bit, dealing with our stuff. Um, yeah, and uh, I, I agree with Ivan. Often it's personal stuff because, you know, if you're feeling good about yourself, you can actually allow other people to have a bad day. Right. You right. know, I've tried to help my girls with this, you know. It's not about you, darling. They're just having a bad day. Let them have a bad day, you know. And But if you're insecure, you will take that as a... You know, a barb will go straight into it. Rejection will come in. Why did they speak to me like that? Just give them the benefit of doubt and let them have a bad day or a sad day. Um, I want to come back to your story in a minute because I want you to share. Um, I'm interested in that verse. What a great verse, by the way, relationship-wise. I've understood Paul Scanlon teaches that every relationship is spatial. So making room... Not everyone should occupy the same space. So I have a question around friendship. And Ivan, I think it'd be good for you to answer this. And I want to answer, because I find relational changes often are a sticking point or a tricky um, path to navigate. So there are times when people change, seasons change, there's personal growth, you change. So people change, but then sometimes the relationship takes a while to catch up to the change. So um, health always means growing, which means always changing. So therefore, some friendships and relationships need to change. So what my question to you is, Ivan, when you know there needs to be a relational change, how do you make relational changes in a healthy way that minimizes hurt and misunderstanding as much as possible? Very good question. Tough question. (laughs) Very hard question. So for me, okay, once a friend, always a friend, okay? So I never lose friends unless they decide to, because I see everyone as a friend. Okay, I know there's different seasons, there's different times, you know, people move overseas, what have you, um, and you don't see people as much. But the next time you see them, you know what, they're still your friend, okay? You might not be on the same level. Um, I would say boundaries is a good one. Um, Have uh, Especially like, so... Can I use you, for example, Brad? You <laughs> Being a me. pastor, senior pastor. You say me. <laughs> use me. Amy's fine. So you, you're good, Amy. I'll yeah, use I'll Brad. scapegoat. <laughs> <laughs> you really do um, need boundaries, okay? And you are the senior pastor, so, you know, you need time with God. He's your best friend. And I'll tell you what, he's going to take a lot of your time, mate, a heck of a lot of your time. And if you don't give it to him, okay, you'll struggle. And that's so... Um, your sheep, okay, the flock, they have to see that and, and know, look, that's important to our leader, to our shepherd. And that's so, you know, we love him. You know, we would love to be his best friend. That's not going to happen, okay. And that's so, if he lets me, as much as he allows me to come in, I can come in. But I'll support him to the hills, okay, because he will lead me to the hills, okay. And that's so... It's really tough and, you know, it doesn't always happen the way we want it to but, um, as I said, I think boundaries and ask God, you know. Yeah. Always go back to God and say, okay, Lord, you know, this is a tough one. You, you lead me through this one. You teach me 
through this one. Be honest with people and say, really, look, I haven't got time at the moment. You know, I'm, I'm actually, it's not that I'm any better than you. I'm at the same level as you, okay, and that, but God's calling me, you know, like to spend more time with him and that's so. Uh, no, that's I mean, good. I, and again, to quote Paul Scanlon, he says, control your people dosage. Yeah. I like that. So in other words, not everyone is healthy for you. That's in, in, your, in your workplace or whatever. It's not that you don't love them or you don't honour them, but you shouldn't have to give, you don't give the same time to every person. You have to protect your spirit. So I just want people to be free and be able to speak the truth in love and be honest yeah. about in their workplaces, family, whatever that we use this example, but you'll all have examples like that in your life. Thanks, Ivan. That was a tough one. I put you on the spot, didn't I? Um, I mean, can I just say, yeah, I mean, that goes for bosses and everyone, you know, exactly what Brad said, in the workplace, in the schoolyard, wherever yes. you may be, you know, like, you know, like, you connect with some people straight away. You know who your friends are and that's, and that's because God's tell, showing you, hey, they're your friend, okay? You know how close to allow people to come and go and that's, so, so it is, it's having this right, and then allowing God to show you. Thanks, Ivan. I want to get to a couple of marriage questions. So I'm going to ask you one more on this, Donna, because I'm intrigued that you talked about brokenness, things that we all carry in our past. Um, I know that you've had some pain and betrayal in your life, and um, I wanted to ask you to share what you feel comfortable with sharing, but also how the betrayal and pain of your past did impact relationships you feel comfortable to speak to that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for those who don't know my story, I had sexual abuse as a child. And um, probably from the age of, a, as a, you know, say four, um, four till about 11 when I became a Christian, when I gave my heart to Christ. So even though I grew up in a Christian family, there was a definite day for me when I gave my heart to God. Um, uh, so that was from extended family members, so not from my um, parents at all, um, but from an extended family members. So I arrived, um, I was 11 when I gave my heart to Jesus and I, need, I knew I needed a saviour. Now if there's one, it's very hard, I say this now and it's hard for some people to understand, but if there's one positive about having something like that, it is that you know you need God. You're not like other people just fly around doing life, but you actually do need him. And so that probably helped my my um, heartfelt commitment to God happen at a young age, 11. And he actually, I in that moment, I knew I was loved, but I knew he knew it all as well. It was like my whole life was out there and he could see all the shameful little um, things. But... The love was there and it gave me confidence. <laughs> I can't, ex I felt a strength come into me and I was able to remove myself from that ever happening again to me. Uh, I just avoided those situations and um, some quite confronting conversations. Uh, you know, say for instance, I had, well, grandfather was one of my abusers and he said to me, I thought you were going to be Poppy's little girl because I'd been avoiding him and he, you know, and, um, you know, the whole, that whole, comp those sentences are so wrong on every level, using the manipulation of a loving, what should be a loving relationship um, to say something cruel like that. But something in me didn't care. So something in me just, this strength that God gave me just thought, mm. 
and I walked away. Um, and so anyway, so yes, so what it did for me, so I had confidence as a teenager, which I should not have had, and I was pretty wild at school. I had lots of friends, but I did shallow relationships. So you can, I know, no one ever knew about this, Brad. I never dealt with my um, broken, my abuse till I was in my mid-twenties. So no one knew about it. So so that no one knew about it, and I could keep that scenario, I probably did shallow really well. I had lots of friends, but I didn't have many deep, meaningful conversations. Because you can imagine if you've got this thing underneath, someone starts digging, you don't know what's going to come out and how you're ever going to stop it if it starts coming out. So you get good at keeping that down. So that was hard for me, is to learn. I didn't have a language for feelings because I didn't do feelings. Because if you went there... You know, I just learnt to live without that whole emotional... And my, my family weren't a real emotional family. I was acting out in anger that, you know, I nearly killed my brother a couple of times. Uh, <laughs> no, he nearly killed me. Uh, we wrestled a lot with a lot of aggression. And no one ever asked me, Donna, why are you so angry? Who knows, I may have, I may have said that. Uh, that anger only really came out at home. Um, I was good at school. I loved school. So there you go. School is a bit of a saviour for me. Not many people say that. Uh, But, um, yeah, I kept it shallow. Um, I had to do a forgiveness journey, obviously. So um, to be able to get to learn how how to have a deeper connection with anybody... I had to first deal with my stuff that was this big blockage. Um, so I did get eventually get counselling. I did do courses. I do promote them now in our church and I champion them. And I, uh, because you know, there is help out there, there for people. And um, yeah. I'd love to keep exploring that, but time's short. Just a quick plus. We do have plus. Plug. Sozo Healing Ministry, I mentioned that last week. We do have a ministry in our church um, that does help people find wholeness from the past. And so that, if that's something, if anything in your story resonates, I know Donna would love to talk to you after church and connect with you on it. Thank you for being honest, Donna. I know there's a lot more to the story. Uh, I want to just, yeah, yeah. And I know your marriage has been impacted through your story as well. So if you've got a few more minutes, Church of Us, a couple more questions, you're enjoying this. I want to move to marriage if I can. Um, I read an interesting thing this week. Uh, a teacher was saying, reminding me of the fact that your marriage, if you're married in this room, is actually not about you. Your marriage is, about, your marriage is actually about God. It's marriages to glorify God through your union. And that was a revelation for me to realize that, and it kind of changes the paradigm, if you will, on how to do marriage. So I want to ask you, Ivan, I mean, I know this sounds broad, what are some of the quick lessons, and I'm going to get to a specific thing in a minute, what are some of the quick two or three really big things that people need to know to build a really strong, healthy marriage, godly marriage? Okay, a couple of really quick things. As we have said a little bit earlier, you can only give out of what you have here, Okay. So, you know, a question I always would have to ask myself is, Lord, how am I going with you? And that, number one, because if I'm not going good with you, I tell you what, people are going to cop it out there, okay? And they're going to get whatever I've let in there. So how am I going with you? Um, so a couple of points for us is, um, which I, I'm, I'm learning more and more, it's just not good enough to love Donna. We've been married for 35 years. 
feels like 50. That's a, <laughs> that's a joke. Don't worry, he's joking. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's not enough just to love Donna. I have to like her, okay? You know, you know, we have to like each other. We have to like what we do, what we are, you know, we do together. Well, you know, how we talk, what we say, and that we've got to back each other all the way. And a tough um, one for guys is, and especially, you know, and I'm one of these guys is pursuing our wives. Easy when we're, look, you know, trying to get onto them. But do we, do we? <laughs> and that's, I don't tell you what, after a few years of marriage, mate, you know, that pursuing, it, it can die. It can die right off. It becomes tough because, you know, as men, that's who we are. We love the challenge. We love the hunt. Okay, well, when, we, <laughs> when it's over, do we keep pursuing? So I have to do simple things like last week it was Valentine's Day. Yep, the old bloke still buys flowers, don't I? That's a, and that's a, and A, to be truthful, when I'm buying, I'm saying, oh, mate, how does this happen? You know, what's this? <laughs> that's a, um, and one last point is the promise, okay? The promise that we made. On that day, 35 years ago, you know, that's a big promise for me to break. So it goes back to, Lord, how am I going with you? And that's so. Yeah. Very good. Time for two more quick questions. Would you speak to Donna, was there ever a time, let's get raw, a time in your marriage where you thought, I don't know if we'll make it, or you felt insecure, or there was a real challenge maybe in your family a really difficult challenge that could have been make or break in your marriage or your family, and what was that, and how did you come through that? Um, yes, uh, like I said before, we got we got married when I was twenty and Ivan was twenty-one. Yes, we were children, uh, basically, and I didn't Ivan didn't know about my story. My parents didn't know. No one knew. So it wasn't until I was pregnant with our first child that I was confronted by how do I n- not pass on a broken baton, basically. <laughs> I knew I had some work to do in that area. And uh, so I told Ivan, and I was 20, probably 25 and pregnant, and that was the first person I'd ever told, and then after that I got some counselling. But at that moment I thought, I haven't been honest. So for me, I probably did get a little bit scared that even though I knew he was totally committed to me and we were about to have a baby, I thought maybe his heart could pull back from me a bit because I hadn't told him that. And so it was really good for him to come to counselling for me and we dealt with that. And, and I heard him say in front of a witness that, no, I love Donna, I don't, this is it for me. And the fact that he actually, after I told him, he told me he actually fainted after I told him. I just skipped up and let him go to what I thought was go to work and he said... He fainted after hearing that news. I loved that because... Um, that's <laughs> I fainted on the plane home from Israel too, you know? No, no, that's another story. <laughs> oh, just... He actually fainted on the plane home from Israel and they had to call a surgeon down. Go and ask him after church about that. Yeah. Um, so he fainted. That validated my pain. And... Even though it was hard for him to handle, no, it did a real. It was a real significant thing for me when that happened, and so yes, that that was a sh- that was a shaky time until we talked that through, and then 
that was it. Once we're in, we're in. Uh, probably another time, I think, as a, as a female, um, in the time after... So I, I began to get a little bit whole then. I started having deep and meaningful conversations. I started getting a language around emotions. I started growing. You know, our marriage had been built on being best friends, you know, and never not really a deeper connection. So I was beginning to change what I really wanted. I really wanted something deeper. And it was a bit unfair because, you know, I hadn't married someone. Like, we hadn't started like that, but I sort of almost begin to have a longing that maybe wasn't there before. So I did find that really hard. I went and saw a romantic movie one night, and I remember it was called Shakespeare in Love. I don't know if anyone can remember that movie. And I came out in the car park and I said, God, is that real or is that just you know, in the movies. And um, he said to me, you will have that with your husband. But, he said, leave it to me. You know, don't control. In other words, don't control, don't manipulate, don't bicker. And then I saw him go on a journey after the Holy Spirit that took him to a place where I was trying to catch up, you know, like, so I saw God do that. So I had to call my heart back. You know, in that time, instead of longing for something that wasn't there, I had to call my heart back. And so I say that, you know, as females, we do desire intimate connection. And sometimes, you know, our heart, it's not that it's gone anywhere, but just moves away. Um, So, yeah. I want to, yeah, we're going to finish now. I feel the Holy Spirit on that point. Mark Zaris taught us, you do have the power to call your heart back. I don't know if you've actually ever heard of that that actually when your heart wanders, you can take authority and say, I call my heart back. That was life-changing. Could you just elaborate on that to finish? And then I'm going to get you to pray for relationships because that is a powerful thing, isn't it? Sometimes you have to make that stand. I I believe so. I think um, that's how you get along. Can I I do an example, Brad? Yeah, please. Okay. Um, We all want the happy ever after, don't we? (laughs) Um, some of you um, here may have only been married for a short time. Others, you may be married again or you may be separated. So I want to give hope to those who maybe, you know, you feel like maybe even there has been some failure there, but you're starting again. You know, days turn into weeks and weeks turn into months and months turn into years. And um, it's like that with our relationship with God. You're building something. So wherever you're starting from, I want to give you hope. You know, if we can do it, anybody honestly can. We were hopeless, hopeless communicators. We could not talk about anything. Um, So we've learnt that now. Um, But so this Bible, say for instance, represents um, my relationship with God. I got a new Bible (laughs) the other year. It's a passion Passion Translation, and I decided in preparation for Israel, I was just going to read the um, Gospels in that, um, and it was wonderful. So they represent, maybe that maybe represents a new marriage, or that maybe represents a new relationship with God. It's all there. It's sealed. It's done. It's all there, okay? But there's a bit of a difference, isn't there, between the two? Let's look at this one. Yeah. Yeah. There's sticky tape. There's scribble. There's, you know, really, that's the goal. That's the goal. But we all know to get that, there's been a lot of time put in. There's been some tears. There's been some hard times. 
but you wouldn't trade that for anything. And even when you get a new one, even when, when it's new, the goal really is that. And I can't wait till when this one actually looks like yeah. this. <laughs> um, and, yeah, that's sort of what it is in life. You do have to call your heart back. But you've got to think about this. You know, for us, I, we've got our little granddaughter. You know, and I'm so... I mean, we, if we could write a book on OK Christianity from the Donna and Ivan Paulin era... In the 80s, they wrote a whole lot of books called, like, Things for Dummies. And ours would be, like, okay, Christianity or Church Life for Dummies. And we'd, it'd only have one point in it. Go to church. Yeah. Just go. Just keep going. Through all those seasons when you hate each other, when you love each other, when you you know, when you're finding it hard, when you're not finding it hard, because the reason you're going is because you believe in Christ and you get into worship like you had today and God lines your spirit back up and boldens you back up. You hear preaching, some of it you don't believe, some of it you don't agree with. But you know what? That's really good for you because guess what you'll do? You'll go home and you'll wrestle with God on that point. And you and you work out what you believe, and you'll get stronger on the inside. On, and oh, I don't know. I just want to say to you, call your heart back if it's if it's gone out, even in friendships. If you're feeling, you know, like you're a bit lost there, call it back. Come on, go again. You can do it. Um, you know, and Jesus is really the reason why. And um, yeah, tip from us. Just keep coming to church. <laughs> Give them a hand. So good. Very good. Could go for an hour longer. We're going to finish now, but what I want these guys to do is to pray for you. So I'm going to ask, just come down to this next stage. Come down a bit slow. You can maybe just close your eyes. And we're going to, I'm going to ask these guys to minister and to pray whatever's on your heart. You're able to come down here, Don. I'll give you this mic in a second. As the band comes up. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for your people, Lord. How proud you are of your people, Lord. And Lord, there's no doubt you're calling their hearts back to you every day, every day, afresh, afresh, lining their hearts up with your heart. You see the You see their journey, their marriage, what they've been through, whether good or bad, your heart's still lined up with them. And where the enemy calls them defeated, you call them victors. You speak victory over them. And where the enemy tries to tell them it won't get any better, You say to them that weeping remains for the night, but rejoicing comes afresh in the morning. So I pray for a joy 
over their hearts this morning, over your people, Lord, that they will know you afresh. They will know the joy of the Holy Spirit. They will know, Lord, that they can walk in joy. They can speak in joy. They can hear in joy. Everything, Lord, whether every part of them, every function, Lord, it will be in joy because it's from your heart, Lord. For any marriages this morning, Lord, where it feels like there's dry bones in there, Lord, Lord, we call those bones to come alive. Come alive, Lord, for marriages. Put a spark in those marriages, Lord. Lord, that's only the enemy speaking lies over them, Lord. But what do you say, Lord? That you're one with them. That the victory is theirs. That it can be renewed. They can restart afresh, Lord, from wherever they are. So right now, Lord, we speak a refreshing start, a refreshing start. Thank you, Lord.